Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones, it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss hotel sinks and wrinkled shirts, stalking your customers, and throwing dangerous objects for fun. Wrinkles, stalkers, and axes. Oh my. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? You know, Joey, I was traveling recently and staying at a hotel that I've been at a whole bunch of times. And I went into the bathroom and the first thing I noticed, because I've been in this hotel so many times, is that they had changed the faucets on the sink. And You know you're staying at a hotel a lot when you're noticing the changes in the faucet hardware. I love sure. it, Dan. I love sure. it. No, I get it. I get it, though. I get it. And look, these were nice faucets. I mean, they were an upgrade. That's probably why I, I noticed them. And nice. I didn't really think of, it, of anything about it until the next morning when I went to iron my shirt. And I go to fill the iron under this new faucet, and oh, no. the iron does not fit under new under the faucet. Oh, 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 oh. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. I have to iron my shirt. I have a meeting in a half an hour, and I cannot – I can't fill the iron. And the way that I got out of it was I actually ended up you know, cupping my hands and, and sort of using using my hands as a cup to, uh, to to put water into the to the iron and it worked out. And of course, somebody later told me, why don't you just use the cup? And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. But- <laughs> well, no, but you know what I like about that? This is a perfect example of Dan MacGyver Gingas. Uh, exactly. You know, use you, what you, you use have. what was available. Yeah. You use what you have. You know, you didn't have a duct tape. You didn't have a pocket knife. So instead, you just cupped your hands and poured the water in the old fashioned way. I like it. All right. So MacGyver then started thinking about this from a customer experience perspective. And what I was thinking about was two things. First of all, it occurred to me that at this hotel anyway, the guy that's in charge of the faucets and the guy that's in charge of the iron appear to be two different guys. Because they didn't talk to each other. And these could, of course, could have been gals as well. But Well, if they were gals, let's be candid, they probably would have figured it out. Because inherently, women are more intelligent than men. But I get the point you're making. So in this particular case, these were two different departments that were siloed. And they didn't talk with one another. And that resulted in somebody saying, hey, I have a great idea. Let's change the faucets. But never talking to the person who controls the iron, uh, which obviously is affected by a change in the faucet. So then I started thinking about, well, what are the use cases for a hotel sink? And the answer is they're not that difficult, right? We wash our hands. We might have a drink of water. We might wash our face um, every once in a while. Brush our might, teeth. Brush our teeth. Yeah, every once in a while you might have to wash a, you know article of clothing in that sink. It's not like – oh, and by the way, ironing your shirt. It's right. not like I was And that's kind to, of a big one. Yeah. That's kind I mean, of a big obvious one. I mean, they go, most hotels go so far as to have an iron in the room 
So they're anticipating this use case. Correct. Right? It's not so like, it's, it's, it's not, not like this is a shocking thing. No, it's not like I am was trying to make macaroni and cheese in the in the sink, right? I mean, or this the, is or do cold fusion. Right. Like, you know, this, this is a predictable use case. And that's really the lesson learned here is that it's wonderful that you spent all this money to upgrade these faucets, but there are some predictable use cases of a hotel sink and they're not that hard. And so, even if you are only in charge of the faucet, it's really, really important that you stop and think about how people are going to use this faucet and make sure that you're delivering on all of those potential experiences. And again, in this particular case, there's a half a dozen of them. We just rattled them off. They're not particularly complicated. And also, it's important, especially if you're in a big company, to make sure that the silos are broken down because customers don't care about how your company is organized. They simply care about one experience. And in this particular case, my experience included both an iron and a faucet and the two of them not working together. Totally agree. At the end of the day, we have to consider how our customers are using our products. And the best way to make sure we keep that at the forefront is to be checking in with our coworkers whenever we're making changes that might impact how our customers experience our product. Love it. So as with all examples, if you're not in the hotel industry, it's okay. There's something to learn here, right? Because you are making changes to your experience at your company probably every day or every week or every month. And one of the things that people often forget to do, and this is a really simple pro tip, is just think about what is somebody doing before this particular experience that I am changing and what are they going to do after the experience that I am changing? Because it is not possible for you to reinvent the entire customer journey every single time you change any piece of the experience. But it's absolutely understandable that you should be required to at least know where the customer is coming from and where they're going to make sure that that part of it is seamless. I agree, Dan. And one thing that I would just say is a general takeaway from this whole story, it reinforces the importance of everyone on your team having a clear map of the customer journey. You know, uh, this is a phrase that is used a lot in the world of customer experience. And yet the number of times I go into a business that I'm consulting with or speaking with and I say, great, can you show me your customer journey map? And they look at me as if I'm speaking a foreign language. And it's like, wait, no one has mapped this out. You don't know what happens next. This is a one-on-one task. And for any of you listeners who haven't done this in your own business, seriously, the value that you will get, the return on investment from the time spent mapping out the customer journey, sharing that with your coworkers, make sure everyone in the company agrees that this is indeed the journey, and then making your decisions accordingly. It helps with that point you talked about about being siloed, Dan, and it also makes sure that we're considering every possible customer use case. There are so many great customer experience articles to read. But who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. 
This episode, CX Press, comes from an Entrepreneur.com article by Canadian restaurateur Michel Falcon. You can collect customer data and deliver a better experience without violating privacy. This was a great article. I mean, every business collects or has the ability to collect customer data, or as Michel calls it, customer intelligence. Uh, he lays out the case that this is really useful because it allows a business to continuously increase the value it delivers to their customers, which leads to more loyalty, uh, empowers team members to have fun, over-deliver, and challenge themselves, and build an admired brand. And what I really liked about this article is he talks about three things you can do to increase the customer intelligence in your organization. First is to create a customer advisory board. This is basically a mix of selected customers, some happy, some not happy, who volunteer their time to provide you with feedback. You get them together, I don't know, every month or every quarter. And the goal here, I think, is to compensate them with something other than money. Give them exclusive access to your events, let them sample or try new offerings before anybody else gets to. And I think this is a much more insightful way to gather customer feedback back than just sending them a survey. The other thing that you can do is stalk your customers on social media. No. Ooh, stalking. No, serious. Seriously. <laughs> I agree. I think you can search their customers' online channels, look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and take that information that you learn and put it into your CRM or feed it to the team member that's responsible for managing that customer experience. Also, create a single point of accountability. It's that person's job to find and leverage information from online and use it to better the customer experience going forward. And obviously, you have to do it in sort of a non-creepy way, right? You don't want to tell people, I was on your Facebook profile and I saw that you liked X, so I decided to get some for you. But instead, you say, hey, we really appreciate your business and we thought you might enjoy some XYZ. Absolutely. I mean, I think social media offers such an opportunity. We live in an era where people are sharing more information about themselves online than at any other time in human history. It used to be you had to kind of investigate or spy on your customers or really observe them in their native habitat to try to catch all these little discerning clues. But as Michelle points out in the article, with some good social media stalking, you can actually find out all these things online. What I love is the article concludes with a recommendation to create an employee advisory board. You know, at the typical business, the frontline employees actually talk more to customers in one day than a senior manager might in a month or a quarter or maybe even all year. Because they're having these regular conversations, you want to make sure that you're tapping into the experience your employees are having and use the intelligence that they're gathering to make your business better. How do you do this? You have regular monthly conversations with the members of your employee advisory board. You ask them to share ways that they think you can improve the customer experience. And then most importantly, you actually put this stuff into practice. You don't just have them share their ideas. This happens in so many corporations. An employee says, wait, I have an idea of how to make the business better. And senior management says, yeah, great. Thanks for that idea. And then never does a thing with it. So by having an employee advisory board, it kind of formalizes this process a little and creates a little accountability internally, I think, for the management team to actually execute the employee's ideas. I love the idea of an employee advisory board. I hadn't actually heard that one before, and I love it for two reasons. The first is that your frontline employees are the ones that are actually talking to your customers every day, so they're going to know your customers better than anybody else in the business. 
The second thing is I think it's a great check and balance because if you have a customer advisory board and an employee advisory board and they're telling you different things, then you have a different problem that you need to solve. Hopefully you're hearing similar things from them, which kind of confirms the fact that your frontline employees are getting to know your customers really well. If you do the things that Michelle recommends in this article, I think three things will happen. Your customers will become more loyal because there hasn't, there's no other business is doing this, right? That no other business knows them as well as you do. I think that will cause them also to refer more business to you because anytime you have a great experience with the brand, you share it and you tell other people to use that brand. And then third is employee morale also gets better because your customers are going to be a pleasure to work with and your employees are going to feel like they're being heard. Absolutely, Dan. I mean, at the end of the day, so many people, so many business owners and organizations know that they need to improve their customer experience. And they kind of see that in a vacuum, like, oh, we'll make the customer experience better. And that means more people will come and we'll have more profits and more revenues and more new customers and more business from existing customers. And that's all great. But that last point that Michelle makes is that employee morale will increase as well. Because at the end of the day, if we're not taking care to provide an incredible and remarkable employee experience, it's really difficult to create an incredible and remarkable customer experience. And I think, you know, one of the cool things about Michel, he actually is uh, uh, one of the guys who runs a restaurant in Toronto called Barrow. It's a fantastic restaurant. And the things they do to take customer intelligence to the next level are incredible. Uh, One little story, because I actually have talked to them uh, a little bit about how they operate their business. When someone calls in to make a reservation and they say, for example, oh, we're there to celebrate an engagement. Uh, they always ask, you know, what is there any special reason you're coming to have dinner here tonight? Whatever they tell them, the employees are empowered to do something special. So recently, they had somebody call in and that they were going to be celebrating dinner because they just found out they were expecting a baby. And when they arrived at the restaurant, they sat down at their table. The hostess brought over a gift card from a baby store for like $25 to get a little something special for the baby. Not only was this an incredible gesture, but the individual who received the gift proceeded to tweet this and post about it on Facebook and Instagram, and they got all this great social media coverage by being decent human beings. And so what I love about this idea that Michelle outlines in his fantastic article is set up your advisory boards, both for your customers and your employees, and check out your customers' social media profiles. You're going to find all sorts of fun ways to connect with them on a a personal and emotional level. Just don't call it stalking. No stalking. No stalking. Just customer intelligence. It's like espionage, but nice. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. 
So Dan, the other night I was hosted to dinner by my good friend Jason Gaynard at a great restaurant here in Denver. Jason is actually from Toronto, Canada. He's an entrepreneur that runs an amazing event called Mastermind Talks. He's also the author of a book called Mastermind Dinners, Build Lifelong Relationships by Connecting Experts, Influencers, and Lynchpins. And he was in town to attend an event uh, and invited other attendees from the event, his clients that live in Colorado like myself, some referrals and other cool people in Colorado and basically put together a fun little, what one might call a client dinner, but was nothing like a client dinner. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear it wasn't anything like a client dinner because, you know, sometimes those feel like an obligation and, you know, you're not sure what to order because they're paying and so do you go for the really expensive one or do you try to be, you know, a little bit more appropriate? And also, you know that, generally you're going to get sold something at the end of the dinner. So there's a little bit of awkwardness, but this sounds like it might be a different kind of dinner. Totally different kind of dinner. So this event started with a lot of pre-event hoopla. So Jason posted on social media calling for recommendations of people that he should have dinner with. And I thought this was brilliant because it showed that he was hosting a dinner in Denver for his clients. So anybody who saw the post was like, oh, wow, this guy hosts client dinners. That's kind of cool. And you get social proof from other recommendations. So he had people chiming in and saying, oh, I know this person in Denver. I know this person that lives in Colorado Springs. I know this person that lives in, oh, Evergreen, hypothetically. Uh, And basically encouraging people uh, or kind of nominating people, if you will, to potentially attend this dinner. And then Jason did private messages to those people, inviting them to the dinner. And when you accepted the invitation, he actually sent a pre-event intake form. And what I found interesting about this is it had the obvious questions like, what is your name, your cell phone? Do you have any dietary restrictions? But, and I've known Jason for a while, he's brilliant at this. It had some non-obvious questions like where, if we were celebrating in uh, three years and toasting over champagne, what would we be toasting? What is your favorite place you've ever been to? Uh, What is your secret hobby that nobody knows about? Those type of questions. And as you were filling this out, did you kind of understand the purpose or uh, did you think it was fun or weird? Yeah. So full disclosure, I have known Jason for years. I've been going to his events for years and I've been uh, lucky enough to be invited to several of his mastermind dinners. So for me, it didn't feel that weird uh, because I'd done it before. I remember the first time it happened, I just went ahead and did it because I had a lot of trust in Jason uh, that there was method to his madness, even though I didn't know what that would be. And then sure enough, we show up for the night of dinner and you get to see the method in the madness. We begin with the usual mingling and drinks, although some it was a little thing that I totally noticed. Jason was coming around and taking everyone's drink orders and then going to the open bar and getting their drinks. Now, to me, folks, that's hosting. He wasn't just waiting for the wait staff to come around and take drink orders. He was processing the drinks as well. There were probably, give or take, 30 people at the event. Uh, about 20% of us had driven from over an hour away or more to attend the dinner. So that's the kind of pool he has for his event. Events, people willing to drive an hour. And here in Colorado, different in some of the major cities around the country, um, an hour means you're probably close to 50, 60 miles away, right? Because there's not as much traffic here. Uh, one guy had driven two hours. One guy had driven six hours from South Dakota 
to come to a dinner in Denver. These were all super cool entrepreneurs. I got the chance to hang out with a world-renowned travel travel blogger, um, an identity theft expert. The guy I sat next to at dinner was a motorcycle after par- aftermarket parts manufacturer. There were a bunch of tech company CEOs, no surprise, uh, some freelance writers. There was a guy who actually had turned down investment uh, from the sharks on Shark Tank. It, it was a totally eclectic group of people who all had these really interesting stories. And while I knew some of the people in the room, a lot of them were new as well. All right. So it sounds like it's a good mix of attendees. Sounds like we might have some interesting dinner conversation. But clearly, there's a point to this dinner. Help me out here, man. What's going on? So so the point to the dinner, I think, is twofold. Number one, it's to build connection within his tribe. And one of the things Jason has learned is that when you introduce cooler, interesting people to other cooler, interesting people and sparks fly and chemistry happens, the, the people that are the beneficiary of that new connection, they remember who made the introduction. So we remember Jason when we have a great dinner party and conversation. So we all sit down to dinner. Uh, Jason makes us order immediately, brilliant, by taking the lead on everyone to get them stop talking and order. Then we could go back to talking. It's a preset dinner menu. So to your point earlier, you don't have to worry about what it costs. You don't have to worry about you know what you should order. You're just choosing from a list. And what's amazing is Jason picks up the tab, right? And he lets everybody know that. So there's no pressure. There's open bar. And we're all at these tables of about eight people that are small enough to have a full table conversation, or you can have one-on-one conversations. And this is where it got really interesting because you start to realize that the people you've been seated next to, it's very conscious. You have things in common. Like, for example, the guy I was sitting across to, amazing entrepreneur, he grew up in a small town in Minnesota. And I grew up in a small town in Iowa, and we both knew each other's small towns. Like, they were not that far apart. So right away, we have this awesome connection, and we're able to kind of uh, make for fantastic conversation that isn't necessarily business-related, although there were certainly business conversations. It was really connection connecting at a more personal and emotional level. All right. So you have dinner, and what's next? Dessert? You'll you'll never guess. No, we didn't have dessert. We went axe throwing. I'm sorry. Say what that again? You heard me correctly. We went axe throwing. Okay. It's not just a catchy name. Two people in a cage, kind of like a batting cage, which I know is probably an analogy you're familiar with, standing next to each other, throwing axes downrange at a bullseye target at the end of the cage. And there's two ways to throw. You can either do the one-handed tomahawk style or the two-handed over-the-head hurl and kind of get on your full Game of Thrones uh, skills. Okay, so first of all, when you mentioned a cage, I actually didn't think of a batting cage. I was thinking of like a cage match, like in <laughs> WWE wrestling. Right, right. No, it's but, it's, a, it's like a longer cage, and you're side by side, so you, nobody gets and, injured. And let me axe. just clarify. You're not throwing the axes at each other. No, no, no. You're throwing them at the target, and the folks that host, hosted the event and run the axe-throwing business are very clear about their safety. It was great. So, yeah, but it's it's a thing. Like, who, have, you, have you ever gone axe-throwing? 
Have I ever gone? I've never even heard of axe throwing. <laughs> See, Dan, next time you come to Colorado, we're going axe throwing. It's a big thing in Canada. I've done it in Canada. This one just opened in Denver. Uh, but great fun and a great surprise. And what was brilliant is you should have seen everyone's faces when right before he brings dessert out, because we actually did have dessert, he says, folks, as soon as you're done eating your dessert, if you'll get up and join me, we're going to go do a little exercise, uh, have a little activity for anybody that wants to. It's a couple blocks away. We're going axe throwing and there were definitely people in the crowd the people who had been like i were you know woohoo this is awesome we're psyched some of the people are like what the hell axe throwing what are you even talking about but what was cool wait wait time. I, I, listen i'm still stuck on this because people listeners i had no idea when i agreed to do this podcast <laughs> that my podcast partner was an axe thrower Dude, I'm an axe thrower. It was great. And it's really fun. And it's this thing that like you've probably never done. And yet it's it's like darts, but with bigger consequences, right? So it's really fun. We we all go down to the thing. We're paired with new people, right? So you we got put onto teams. We weren't sitting with the same people we sat at for dinner. So we're having new conversations. Creates this kind of friendly competition vibe to see who can throw the most bullseyes, gets the most points. Some other folks who hadn't been able to join for the dinner because of prior uh commitments, joined us for the axe throwing. We had a great time and it was just absolutely an incredible cap to an evening. And I want to come back to what I said at the beginning. This was a client dinner, but it was unlike any client dinner I think most people and probably most of our listeners have ever experienced. Well, that part I like. And I, I mean, I like that you got to be seated next to people that somebody knew you would have something in common with, but you didn't know, right? So it wasn't right. random. And and you kind of got to figure out that, you know, what it was that you had in common. I think that's really cool. And I, I like the surprise element of the axe throwing. I'm still a little bit scared of you now. And, and maybe not think <laughs> of you the same way again, uh, because, you know, I don't know how far the line is from axe throwing to axe murderer. I think that's really what I'm worried about right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, and I think you need to, I think you need to know your audience, right? He knew that he had a gathering of entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs have a tendency to be a little more edgy anyway. And I think, you know, in terms of takeaways from the event for me, create interesting gatherings and experiences for your customers. Bring them together because when they interact, uh, it it makes you look better. It builds your brand. Make sure to introduce them to each other as well as other cool people. You know, Jason actually, I would posit, grew his prospect list by having people in the room that weren't customers because then when people would say to me, for example, how do you know Jason? I'm like, oh, he runs this amazing event called Mastermind Talks. And they're like, oh, tell me about it. I want to learn more. How does one get invited and what's the deal? And so it's I basically start doing the marketing for him. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, if you're listening and you ever want to do a Mastermind Talk event in Chicago, there's this really cool guy named Dan Gingas who'd be very happy to come along. I love the plug. All right. You know what? I will pay attention and next time time that Jason, because he does these all over the all over the country and frankly, all over the world. Next time he's coming to Chicago, I'll make sure that you uh, at least get considered for an invitation. Wow, oh, I'll make sure, I'll make hey, sure that that's the start. It. I'll make sure you get it. But, you know, it brings up a great point. You know, you need to do the homework on your seating assignments. If you're going to invite people to come to a dinner, pay attention. You know, I think the art of dinner hosting is kind of a dying art. And what's really cool is Jason pairs people for non-obvious conversations. One of my favorite ones is As I mentioned, I was seated next to a motorcycle parts manufacturer, and he was seated next to a friend of mine, 
And they were trying to figure out why Jason's whole thing is try to figure out why you're seated next to the person next to you. And so my friend who's a tech CEO says, oh, what do you do? He says, oh, I'm a motorcycle parts manufacturer. My buddy Chris starts laughing and he's like, oh, I know why we're seated next to each other. And my new friend uh, says, well, why is that? And turns out Chris had ridden a motorcycle across Siberia in the dead of winter. Of course he has. And, and so, right, I mean, totally bizarre, totally crazy thing. But Jason knows this unique fact and then pairs him next to a guy who's been in the motor- motorcycle business for years. And, of course, they're going to have a dozen things to talk about. Finally, make sure you pick up the tab. The best marketing dollars you can spend is treating your clients to amazing experiences. And if you get the chance to throw in a dash of something unexpected at the end, take a max throwing. It's a lot more fun than you might think. Listen in while we try to stump and surprise each other with a fantastic statistic from the worlds of customer experience and customer service. It's time to check out this number. Okay, Dan, the number this week is 75%. What do you think it refers to? This is the percentage of dentists who recommend sugar-free gum didn't you always wonder about that last dentist? I actually did. You know what? Like, what was that dentist thinking? No, I'd like you to chew the one with a lot of sugar. It'll be great because you'll keep coming back for more business. Actually, the 75% refers to the number of people who expect a response from social generated inquiries in under five minutes. This comes from our friends at Oracle CX Cloud. Hey, thanks for sponsoring the show, Oracle, and their ebook, Digital Transformation, Three Areas of Customer Experience to Invest in Right Now. You know, it'd probably be pretty cheesy for me to drop the fact that I wrote a book called Winning at Social Customer Care right into our podcast. Like, hey, that's a, I won't me, no, do that. Yeah, but please don't do that. We come today not to praise Caesar, but to bury him. Okay, no. Let's focus. Right. And so anyway, this is a topic uh, with which I have some familiarity, and it is absolutely positively true. And that number, by the way, is going up and up and up. And if we come back to this podcast in a year, that number is going to be 90%. People are expecting responses in social media, and they're expecting them quickly. This goes for compliments, comments, questions, complaints, everything. If you are not engaging with your customers, you are missing out on a huge opportunity to improve the customer experience, to convert detractors into advocates, and to show your customers appreciation for being fans. Please, 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 not only go out and read the book, but go and do this and you will not be sorry. You've got to stay connected to your customers, which is why we love the sponsorship from oracle.com slash connected CX. You can download the PDF we talked about, get all kinds of statistics that you can use to help make the case for the great customer experience work you're doing in your organization. Thanks so much to Oracle CX Cloud. You folks are fantastic. We appreciate the support. Stay connected and make it fast. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This! We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. 
This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.